ladies' man fucks his way through London. A seaside town is invaded. An engine room tech gets assigned to a new ship in Chinese waters. A late-night drink with the most toxic couple in the world. And the Lord High Chancellor refuses the king's request. This time on the Oscar should have gone to 1966. And the Oscar goes to... And the Oscar goes to... And the Oscar goes to... Well, so much for this being a family podcast. <laughs> Hello, Megan. Hello, Craig. We're coming back in war-torn America. Um, you know, we thought... I, I don't know if I said this already on the podcast, but my dog got cancer this year. And I was right. like, she's fine now, everybody. Yeah. She's great. She's great. But I was like, nothing worse is going to happen this year. And then uh, the pandemic occurred, yep. the pandy. And I was like, well, it's not going to get worse than this. And then there were burning cop cars two blocks from my apartment last night. And I have stopped saying anything. Yeah, probably just for the best. I thought I felt maybe a slight tremor this morning. I was like, oh, yeah, it would be perfect if the big one comes. Oh, yeah, right yeah, now. yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. would be that would be that would be something. Yeah. Listen, we don't mean to make light of anything going on in the country right now. Um, it's obviously terrible. Uh, I think Megan and I firmly fall on the side of the protesters. Um, so I think we can't even say that this is like an escape for people because this isn't really something that should be escaped from, I don't think. Um, so we're just going to make this an escape for ourselves and we hope uh, you enjoy it um, because there's nothing further from any of this stuff than the films of 1966. That is so, so, never truer words have been spoken. I was, I will say, I totally forgot we were doing this this weekend. So I watched all these movies in the past two days great. and uh, which I do not recommend. <laughs> and, uh, but I was like, thank God there's no, I don't know. I don't know. I just if it what was the last one we did with the, guess who's coming to dinner in uh, in nineteen sixty seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I can't. It's I can't believe those movies were made in nineteen sixty seven and this is twenty twenty. Yeah. What a truly truly put a bullet in America. We should be done. Anyway, the, the good news though for everyone involved is we have one of our very favorite guests coming back. Um, I'm glad we have so, this person because this is beca- this is going to be really clinical now. I know yeah. that this is going to be clinical. He knows his movies, unlike probably anyone else we've ever had on the pod. We're wel- we're happy to welcome back Ryan Perez. Thank you guys. Thank you so much for having me back in war torn <laughs> times. Um, I'm going to be clinical. It's going to be a clinical. Nice. You're going to put uh, on a clinic. I'm going to. Yeah. It's going to be a clinic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's. We're fortunate in that, um, or maybe not fortunate. I don't know. But in in uh, talking about a year in the '60s, we're not uh, having to deal with the uh, exactly concurrent themes. Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, of uh, uh, we didn't. Uh, you picked the yeah. one year that was that's really pretty apolitical. It has. Yeah. It ha- well, it does have some politics, but maybe uh, maybe slightly less. Yeah. Or, or, yeah. No. <laughs> more more like uh, you know, hundreds of years old politics. 
Um, should we just should we just jump right in? Sure. Um, so, um, as always, we'll go through these nominees alphabetically. And the first nominated film of the year is Alfie. What's it all about? What's it all about? What's it all about? Did you, know that, did you know that song was not in the original UK release and was added when the movie was released in the United States? Shut up. Really? Mm-hmm. That The song is kind of maybe the best part. That in Michael Caine's accent, which I got to tell you, I understood 85% of what he said. I actually have, a, a, first of all, one of the first things I wrote down was, this was definitely the movie Don Cheadle studied before the Oceans film. <laughs> <laughs> Also a choice that Cheadle made notoriously <laughs> without uh, telling anyone. <laughs> Is that true? He was like, I'm going to be Cockney? He was like, I'm going to be Cockney. And then like Soderbergh was like, how about don't do that? <laughs> <laughs> And then he just like kept doing it. Sidebar, that is, as as an actor, that is my absolute nightmare is to make like a bold choice and have them be, and like really go for it and have the director be like, mm, mm, okay, let's actually just lose all of that. All of that <laughs> stuff that you- We're going to do it again. It just, I just want you to strip it all away. Yeah. yeah. Just strip up everything that you're doing. <laughs> yeah. um, and just something better would probably would be-, be great. Would be great. That's really that's harsh. This um, is a variation. We want as a variation every <laughs> single take to to also not be in an yeah, accent. They go, okay, great. So we have that if we want it, but maybe we just try one where you don't speak. <laughs> that's the other thing too. It's just taking away lines of mine. Anyway, Alfie could not be made today. Have you seen? Did you see the? Did you guys both see the remake too? No, I haven't seen the Jude Law. I did see the Jude Law movie mm-hmm. from 2004, yeah. It's a, lot of a, it's a lot softer of an Alfie. Yes, very much so. He's a lot more likable. Does yeah. he do direct address the entire film? Uh, in the Jude, uh, the Jude Law version, yeah. yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In the same way that Michael Caine does, which, again, I do think works. I, okay, here's my take on Alfie. I, this movie only works because not only works it's an interesting movie this movie works for me because i would listen to michael Caine like read the phone book like he's a very charming interesting actor so when i like his i like it when he does direct address which i i feel like not everybody can get away with um yeah it's i don't know jump in guys anybody talk to me about alfie um the reason, one of the reasons, because I, I was when, when we were talking about doing the show, I was between a couple different years. I really was interested in 1968, but more for what wasn't nominated in 1968. And I eventually uh, said I preferred I would want to do 66. We should say, because, Ryan, you chose this year. You did this. <laughs> I did. I did. You you gave me a couple different years, and I said I like I like the 66. And I and part of this is because I am fascinated with the movie Alfie. It's been this movie's been with me for a very long time. Back when Bravo was like an arts channel. Oh yeah. Or what they are now, they would play a lot of films, uh, 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 international movies, and Alfie was in heavy rotation when I was about 14 years old on Bravo. And so it's not the most formally adventurous movie of the sixties or of, of certainly of the international cinema at the time, but it, it's a very, it's a movie I've watched a bunch and it kind of 
acquainted me with a certain with sexual mores of that time and sexual mores in England and the and the and the swing in sixties and everything. So when um, uh, and it was almost like a version of something that you'd seen in James Bond or something, but in a more realistic way. There's something about it that's definitely more despairing. And Alfie's a very um, uh, he's a terrible character. I mean, he's a great it's character, a, but he's, he's a, a cad. He's a son of he's a, bitch. a He's a real cad. Yeah. And not in a fun, it's interesting because not in a, like I, I, my sexual awakening, Ryan was definitely Han Solo. Uh, and then later Indiana Jones. I like live. Sure. sure. Yeah. Naturally. But those both, those, both those characters are like not cads, but, in that realm, right? Of like, just like the the scoundrel, They're like wise ass, yeah, yeah. scoundrelly, yeah, yeah, yeah. That sort redeemable. Of uh, they yeah, have he, a redemption, yeah. right? Like, there's never a scene, like, there's not a famous scene in Return of the Jedi, for instance, where Luke is dying of cancer <laughs> and Han fucks his wife. Yeah, like, no. that's not that's not in yeah. the that does not <laughs> that does not happen. He he also doesn't convince you know princess leia to like have an abortion or anything it is a he's a which non- by the way in case anyone was wondering we'll get back to that scene yeah well we are <laughs> we are going back i have i want to spend conservatively 40 minutes talking about that scene uh he is a very i mean gosh i guess 1966 unlikable people he is a very unlikable on paper person again i think the movie works largely because Michael Caine is so not that he is such a likable person that it's, it's a funny, I don't know. It's a, it's, it's funny to watch. Like, man, did you guys see, I mean, I know you are rewatching this, but I, I, this is my first time on the original and I did not see him, uh, loving that kid so much. Right. He like loved being a dad, but then he kind of let that go. It was yeah, he like very briefly, like for one scene, loved being a dad, and then well, was like walking around London, happened to find to the son again when the new child is being baptized. Like right, and when was the uh, last time he saw that kid? Yeah. In this movie, by the way, London is roughly the size of like a court square. Well, they the probably all things, live. Like, just, like, <laughs> they probably all live in the same neighborhood. Like I yeah. walk around my neighborhood and I see people. Yeah, like my drive. Well, he also he has a car. You know, when you got a car, you got everything. <laughs> she was sixteen years old. What does that even? Mean? I got a car. <laughs> That's pretty good, honestly. The, um, That's pretty good. This guy is, uh, yeah, Alfie is really. Uh, I was reading about the movie and I didn't realize that so many actors turned the part down. Really? It was offered to, mm-hmm. I think it was Richard Harris, uh, a couple other prominent actors at the Ter- time. Terrence, Terrence Stamp had done the play version and was yes. actually living with Michael Caine at the time. They were roommates. So Terrence Stamp was like, I guess probably, probably not the first person, but eventually they went to him. I would think they probably went to, cause I think they said Peter O'Toole was offered it also. And I'm sure they went to him before they went to, any Do you think they people. would they turned it down because it was a, an unlike like they didn't want their star their rising star to be affiliated with something? I think it's a, it's just like a such a thoroughly unlikable character and it's it's yeah. ironic that it became Michael Caine's this movie and then another really great movie from this year Gambit with Shirley MacLaine mm. 
uh, were it, that, that was sort of a Michael Caine doubleheader. I think like after this year, he was unstoppable as a British star. But this was for most people the first time they'd seen Michael Caine in a movie, and there he is giving the direct address, very much like uh, I thought of Fleabag a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, you you watch two episodes of Fleabag and you're you're like, well, I'm in with this person. This is yeah. now yeah. a star to me. You yeah. Know? Um, yeah, and it, and I like that it wasn't. I mean, they the direct the direct address thing too. I like that it wasn't all the time. It didn't feel right. in the same way that Fleabag. I I feel like this too. Like it's not overused. It was just enough to sort of like get you on his side a little bit, and then you listen to what he's saying to these women and how he's behaving, and it's so, it's it is so horrifying. Like it's it's. I don't know this movie, man. This movie fucked me up. That poor I mean, down woman. to the truly down to like calling them it. Like, yeah. uh, it's yeah, it's called, you know, um, yeah. Uh, it's a level uh, which I don't. I don't know. I I, uh, I I like it. I guess I like it. I like that harshness, or I like <laughs> that that realism. I guess it's realism. You know what's difficult? I think this. I didn't really realize this until I was older that the movie is in a tradition of this British kitchen sink realism there's a couple movies from this time saturday night and sunday morning and um uh the sporting life and there's uh this is like when albert finney and richard harris and all these actors were coming up mm-hmm. alfie's very much in that tradition of very harsh realistic british dramas but i think because it's in color or it has this kind of bouncy score uh, sonny rollins score there's something about it i think when you turn it on you think i'm about to watch a romantic comedy and it's just right not, yeah it's just not that at all. It's also really weird when you, we talked about this with a lot of years in the seventies too. the, not to talk about the other movies, but like this, it's weird watching all these movies and, and think this was made the same year because yeah. that a lot of this, so many of the other, these other movies are a little bit like either like very old school Hollywood or kind of neutered, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because I know there's other movies in the sixties, other movies this year that we can talk about that like got into more subversive, uh, subversive shit, like, right. uh, like abortion and like, you know, well among the, among the nominees, it's like, very clearly, yeah, it's very clearly there's like the people that were voting for Alfie and who's afraid of Virginia Woolf. Yeah. And then there's the people that are voting for the other three movies, which are all much more classic, Hollywood in terms of like historical drama, war film. I mean, com comedy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. This <laughs> at movie the time. Is, yeah. yeah. It's not as, this is not as uh, clearly drawn as like a year, like 67 where you have whatever the, the, uh, right. The pictures at a revolution year, but, but yeah. it is, it's an interest. It's very interesting year for, in that regard. And then at least two of the nominees are, are new, not new Hollywood even because Alfie's not Hollywood necessarily. Yeah. But it's- yeah. And that was something in watching. And I was like, the big thing in watching is like, well, they would never be able to have made this film in Hollywood. And I'm not sure they would have, but then you watch Virginia Woolf and you're like, well, it is, there are similar, like, you know, Virginia Woolf three years before that famously didn't win the Pulitzer prize because the Pulitzer committee thought it was too, um, lewd or yeah. Yeah. So, Indecent. I mean, I enjoyed my experience of watching Alfie because I 
liked spending two hours following Michael Caine around London. And I also was, again, at the end, he's, I'm glad that they didn't try to redeem him or make right. him like, I mean, not that they would have, but that's although, always- and we'll get into this. Do they in a way, like maybe just in like common people's eyes where all of a sudden it takes this, what we would look at now, this drastically pro-life message. Yeah. I didn't think of it as I was kind of watching it again with the, uh, cause like I said, there's, this is a scene I've seen many times and yeah. just as a study of like uh, Michael Caine's acting. I think maybe when I saw the film, when I was younger, I thought of it as, 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 uh, with a more moralistic, uh, I don't know. I, I, I saw the, the film as being more moralistic. I, now I just kind of saw it as this is a guy coming to terms with the consequences of, of his, of his actions. And it doesn't, you know, I, I didn't draw necessarily a pro-life message or even an anti, any kind of anti-abortion or message from it. I, I just drew it more the, as a character thing. What does he get out of it? And he doesn't really get much. He gets about yeah. a minute of pause and then he's, and then he's, he's kind of, back I, did, I didn't he really act, learn much. I didn't actually think with his response, it does. I think it's because they clearly did not, talk to anyone about like what an abortion actually is this woman if we want to get into it she is having this backroom abortion basically she is not showing and then we're supposed to believe that the aborted fetus is basically like a dead like a stillborn child in the other room in that scene yeah um that would not that's not what that looks like at all it's irresponsible. I love that. I, I, I think there is a way I think, I mean, I don't know what the filmmakers had intended in my 2020, uh, exceptionally liberal, uh, you know, uh, female view. I read it as very pro-life and I was like, fuck this. Like I was like very irritated at Alfie for being like, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I, I, I that's not I will what say an I abortion am, I, is. I immediately got a text from Megan that was like, Alfie is a pro-life film. And I was like, well, I know exactly where she is in the movie. (laughs) Yeah. You're in the last 15 minutes. The last 15 Uh, minutes. It's just a tough, it's just a tough, it's it's just just, a tough watch. It's a tough pill to swallow. And we also see this woman who we don't even know get, you know what I mean? Like we, the, I guess the whole thing of like, it's, it's his journey about her. Like we, we know how he feels about it, but we never get to hear her. We don't. And here's the truth. We don't really get any female input other than a little bit, the first, you know, baby mama or whatever. But even her, she's, he calls her simple and like, you know, she kind of is. Like she was like, she, she doesn't have, doesn't seem to have like, you know, I don't know, hopes and dreams other than, you know, she eventually makes the right decision in dumping. And then there's the, the it that he picks up at the truck stop. Yeah. Oh yeah. Who's staying with him. Yeah, 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 yeah. From the other guy. Yeah. Um, medically in 2020, it's just a weird, between that and the, you have shadows on your lungs. Just oh, go yeah. rest for six months. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was my other. Th- Did he? It, that seems to denote cancer, right? Tumors I would of think some so sort? now, but I, I guess maybe yeah. there, that was a disease at the time. That shadow lung. Yeah, shadow mm, lung. You got the old shadow lung. Yeah, I might have shadow lung. I want. 
to go to a sanitarium is basically what I drew from Alfie this time. Is I you're just you're just looking for some guy's bird to pick up. Ryan. <laughs> I just want a bird. I want a I want a bird. I want a bird. I would, but I don't think they have booze there, and that's not mm. something that yeah. you know. I want to more of. I want to go to just like a resort. Um, yeah. Well, oh, what I was gonna what I was gonna say about you talking about how you couldn't really understand him. Uh, who knows if this is apocryphal or not? Apparently, Shelley Winters could not understand him at all and would just watch for when his lips stopped moving <laughs> to say her next line. <laughs> I kind of buy that. From yeah. It's like, I couldn't understand him. <laughs> I would just look at his, look at his lips. <laughs> Perez, you're bringing the impressions uh, today. The, this is, it's not just clinical, it's entertaining. See, I I did not realize we were going to have Rich Little on the show. That's that was that's I'm barely doing a show. <laughs> uh, I liked this movie. I don't like the pro life message at the end. Uh, I did not care for that. Um, but I and I you know again I I get that women the women have no agency because it's not about them. It's not right. that, that movie. Um, and I he's entertaining enough that I'll. I'll spend a couple hours with Michael Caine, but it's funny. You know what I think too, watching this movie? I was like, it's funny that they chose to remake it. Yeah. It is. It's a very bizarre. I was, I was quite excited for the remake, even though it was, I think directed by Charles Shire or <laughs> written by the, it's written by some combination of Charles Shire and Nancy Myers. Hmm. Um, Does not might, seem to fit the profile for that. Yeah. But I was like, uh, I like Jude Law, and I thought, oh, Jude Law is probably going to be pretty good in this. And I actually think he is good in that yeah. movie. But the movie is such a – it really speaks to um, – I've noticed I, – and I bring this up all the time, but if you've ever looked at Heartbreak Kid, Elaine May's Heartbreak Kid versus ben, the Ben Stiller, Fairly Brothers' Heartbreak Kid, it's almost like a study in how you cannot make a certain kind of comedy anymore because you can't have the – uh, protagonist be unsympathetic. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, this is a case also where they, they tried to remake Alfie and they just, you can't, uh, even in 2004, you can't, we can't have a, a, a character that's that repugnant yeah. morally. Yeah. And so you take everything that's really resonant about the movie out of it. Yeah. And, uh, well, and it's, it's, that's, that's my huge complaint with one of my favorite one of my favorite movies is Arthur, the original Arthur. Yes, yeah. I fucking love Arthur. And when they made then when they remade it, they had to like have him go to rehab and like, you know, be, learn how to be a better person and all this shit and it's like that's not what the movie was about. It's more fun when he in, like is drunk at the I know that sounds terrible, but I mean it's right. the the yeah, you, those movies you can't yeah, you can't make them again. It's not that the audience today won't won't stand for that sort of stuff, and then it le- loses all its bite. Yeah, and it also leaves you like this. Ar- the, the Alfie leaves you very unsettled. I think it doesn't leave you with a sense that you that this character has gone through things and learned things. You you sort of leave the leave the experience of watching it. I, I think a little bit disquieted. It's not, and, and in that way, it's not a. It's not. It's definitely not a traditional romantic comedy. Yeah. Uh, um, He'll and, tamp uh, down I, his feelings and then go back. Like he'll be fucking yeah. some girl the next night. Yeah. Yeah. It's so. a sociopath. I mean, like you leave saying, well, I just watched a movie about a sociopath, which um, I think is a, 
un, unmarketable movie now. Yeah. Probably he's, he's just that he's just that shaggy dog. <laughs> it opens and closes the movie. That's that that honestly is the weirdest thing about the movie for me because the dog is like, not good. It's such like an on the nose thing, and it's like, did the studio was this even a studio film that someone was like, what if there's a dog? What if we open with a like ninety second segment with two with some dogs, and then we'll bring the dog back at the end. He's a dog. Yeah. He's a dirty, dirty dog. It's so funny oh, that you it? say that. I've cut that out of my head. Like. I, I blocked that out. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot that that happened. That dirty dog. Well, speaking of uh, comedies that are screaming for a remake, the <laughs> Russians are coming. The Russians are coming. Oh, my God. I watched this this morning. Uh, I looked at the back of the box because I didn't know what it was at all. I didn't know anything about it. So I read, like, the, you know, the back of the DVD, whatever. And one of the pull quotes said, you will almost die laughing. And I was going to say, here I am alive. <laughs> but they did say you'll almost die laughing. So Right. So they didn't tell you you'd die. No. I have to say, I, I, had, I had never seen this movie. And I actually had really... Oh, you had it? You hadn't seen Believe The Russians not, Are I Coming? Had... The Russians Are Coming? <laughs> you, where do you live in this country? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Very un-American. Um, but I did have really high hopes for it because I do like Carl Reiner. Um, and I think Alan Arkin's actually great in this movie. It's just not none funny. Of the jokes really work anymore. <laughs> like it's a very different kind of comedy. That are there? I would even argue. Like, are there many jokes? A I lot think of there's it some is funny like, stuff in the setup at the beginning. Like, as dumb as it is, like I liked the kid just like with the jelly all over his face. Like I was like, I don't know, that's sort of a funny gag. They just got jelly all over his face while he's talking to Alan Arkin as a Russian soldier. That's but the it, joke. Yeah. That, 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 and that honestly, it quickly goes downhill from there. Ryan, you're a writer. <laughs> have you ever pitched? Have you ever, if you've been in a room and, 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 and they've been like, we need to, we need to punch this up. We need a bit here. And you're like, I got it. This is going to, I kill. like the, per, I thought the purse bit was good. <laughs> jelly all over his face. We don't even have to write anything. It's a What if the kid bag. had jelly? What if the kid yeah. had jelly? Wouldn't that be yeah. great? You act like this is not a bit that definitely has been on like a CBS like comedy in the last like two years. Sure, but you know what? I don't watch CBS, bitch. (laughs) That's for for a specific purpose because the same people that are watching CBS are of an age that they were, they went and saw the Russians are coming, the Russians are coming in the fucking theater when it came out. I got to say, it was not funny. Though I did not almost die laughing. The one scene, I didn't even laugh once. Well, I smiled once. I... And I know exactly what it was because I was like, I'm going to make a note because this is going to be the only time. And I didn't laugh. It was when the woman's on the wall and the man is just like, yeah. her husband's just like having breakfast when he, she's like been taped to the wall or whatever behind him. And the woman, the other woman comes in and is like, Muriel, oh, getting off. The, and he turns around and he goes, ah, you're up on the wall. <laughs> and then I, I was like, all right, old man. That 100% and then he didn't come is- back. Yeah. <laughs> no, 100% though, I can see like in 40 years that being you and Maddie. Like, oh, you yeah. You just tape to a wall. I got news for you, buddy. That's me and Maddie now. <laughs> Two and a half months into quarantine. Literally, I could come in and he'd have like a hole in his head and I'd be like, ah, you uh, yeah. shot yourself in the face, huh? Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Ryan, I'm sure you've seen this movie before, like six times. No, I had never seen The Russians Are Coming, so it was interesting to watch. Um, and I had high hopes for it, too. I Because I love Alan Arkin, love Jonathan Winters. 
Oh, boy, did they misuse Jonathan Winters in this. And Jonathan Winters is like, I had not, do you guys know it's a mad, 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 mad world? Uh, I know of it. I know I don't of think it. I've, I've never seen, seen it. it. It's a weird, it's a strange movie. I had not seen it start to finish. And a couple of years ago, I saw it. Uh, they did like a, a presentation of it in the Cinerama Dome. And I, and this movie that was, had always seemed very irritating and screechy and loud watching it, you realize, wow, it's really funny. There's great moments with Dick Sean and great, great Jonathan Winters role. And, uh, uh, but it, 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 I feel like this movie is kind of following in the footsteps of that, or that's probably, that's probably yeah. the way that this movie was made or marketed was like, okay, yeah. if you like a you, you want to see a comedy with like 10,000 people in it. Yeah. Okay. Right. Um, and it's madcap like, Oh, they're madcap, running around yeah. the Island looking for the Russians. And exactly. I will say I, I did, I did see rat race. So I, <laughs> I'm, yes. I'm pretty familiar with that. Well, that era, yeah. It's, but but uh, I really keyed in particularly on Jonathan Winters because I because you realize, oh, this is a great, great comic actor who just has n- almost nothing to do in this is movie. Is he the sheriff? Yeah. Yeah. He's not the sheriff. He's the, no, he's like, the, uh, the one below. The one, yeah. yeah. It's the, the one married the to, the, the, to the woman with like He has like 12 kids. kids. Yeah. 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 Um, um it, they really it really a missed opportunity to not have him play one of the old women also of course he could have done it all he was no. the, but um alan arkin is good in the movie i mean he's and he speaks like an impressive amount of russian yeah mm-hmm. good uh, russian accent but the movie is just oddly devoid of of jokes it's just a very joke-like movie yeah. by i guess by 2020 standards um and I think it's a very, very curious Best Picture nominee. Yes. Uh, yes. Like, here's the thing, too, that I, that I was thinking, like, thinking of it in its time. Like, this is like the middle of the Cold War. And, yeah. like, I mean, it just is a weird thing to, can you imagine a movie? I mean, I guess like there, you know, there's that, that uh, t- the terrorist comedy or whatever. But, like, a mainstream movie. I'm forgetting the name of that movie that was like... Oh, Four Lions? Four Lions. There you go. <clears throat> but could you imagine if there was like a movie about like ISIS, a, a group of ISIS people? like? And it's like madcap. And then we realize at the end when a child's about to fall off a church building. That we can all get yeah, along. We're all the same. Yeah. Which is such as... I think that sequence is probably why the movie was nominated is there's like a probably a at that moment a tear to be brought to your eye in terms of like here's our are, you know, in a very like Kendall Jenner giving you a Pepsi way, yeah. like, uh, here's Well, then it should have said on the back, you'll <laughs> almost die crying. Yeah. <laughs> um, we should say this is a really strange year um, in terms of the Academy in that of the five Best Picture nominees, only two of the directors are nominated for Best Director. That's right. That's right. Um, was- which, you know, pretty commonly in this era, you'd see one, maybe even two, directors for films that weren't nominated when we talked about 67 we talked about how you know richard brooks was nominated for in cold blood instead of whoever whoever the fuck directed dr doolittle um so you wouldn't see like a pairing of five and five it would be pretty common to have at least one person but to have the majority of the best directors not also have the film nominated um i don't know i can't imagine that's happened often if ever otherwise in the history of the Academy Awards. Mm. This year it was Antonioni uh, and then also Richard Brooks. Richard think, Brooks, yeah, for, for the, the professionals. professionals. And, then, uh, and then Man and a Woman, Claude Lelouch. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, I didn't see, I tried to see a man and a woman before we recorded this and I, I didn't make it. I didn't, I, I did watch blow up cause I'd never seen it. We'll talk about that stuff later, but yeah, I didn't watch a man and a woman. I didn't get around to watching the professionals either. I mean, Norman Jewison is a, is uh, made some interesting movies around this time in the heat of the night. Um, yeah. and, uh, is a good, uh, I mean, I understand how this movie is, how, how watching it maybe for the standard of madcap comedy at the time, you could say, well, this one has more nuance and the, the townspeople are, are definitely rendered in a more authentic way. I do like the accents, this kind of Gloucester, uh, uh, accents and, uh, but, uh, weird that they made Gloucester. I guess it makes sense that they made it an Island, but Gloucester is a real place in Massachusetts and it is not an Island, which is why it's yes. yeah, very that's strange that they would yeah. do that. Um, the only it, thing I can think is partially this also is just taking the musical spot because there was not a nominated mm-hmm. musical this year. Mm-hmm. And coming into this year, you had Sound of Music winning the year before Best Picture. Before that was My Fair Lady, West Side Story. A couple years previous to that, you know, next year we have Dr. Doolittle nominated. Then Oliver wins. Hello, Dolly gets nominated in 69. So this, I guess this was as close as they came to the usual like 60s musical spot. They were like, well, it's a comedy with a lot of people, so this yeah. it's feel good, so we'll put this in that. Yeah, that would also, make sense if there weren't better movies that came out. Like, I mean, some years we were like, oh, I get, you know, this shouldn't be, but there's nothing else that would take the spot. But there were some good movies the other that thing came is, out this year. Well the, well, the other thing is a lot of the movies that came out, and again, we'll get around to this this year, are really important foreign films, which you don't see really getting into the best picture Race. I mean, Z in '69 was the first time a foreign film had ever been nominated. Is Alfie not a foreign film? Well, I'm talking non-English speaking okay. because mm-hmm. you had like Bergman, and you know, Blow Up is an English film, but it's an Italian director, and yeah. The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, but it's an Italian director, and you know, so it's not like you just didn't have a lot of other U.S. studio-based movies. I think to the same extent that. Uh, you would in a lot of other years. Yeah, when you have two two of the best director nominees are from our are, are foreign language films. Yeah, uh, this seems like a stretch to find another you know a fifth nominee uh, in English, and it's not you know for the time. I mean, you got to think back to Doctor Strangelove being nominated about two years earlier. And, right. Uh, uh, there's a great Billy Wilder movie, One Two Three. Uh, there's another Cold War comedy from the 60s that, I mean, this kind of movie was sort of in the air. It wasn't uh, it, uh, the concept of a Cold War comedy, but it's very, I don't know how you keep them back on the farm after you've seen Dr. Strangelove. I mean, that's a really revolutionary yeah. And, and especially, yeah, if you had seen, it would even make sense if this was nominated in 64 and then Dr. Strangelove was nominated in 66. Yeah. If they had been switched and you were like, oh, well, Russians are coming, Russians are coming to open like the idea door. And then we were able to take like this heavy satire, like dark comedy yeah. and embrace that because of what had come before. But and, and, the and reverse. Build in a love thing. story with the. Uh, Which as soon as like that girl rides her bike, I was like, oh, she's going to end up fucking one of those Russian soldiers. And it? it is so dull. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I really like, I don't go in hard on these movies. I try not to go in hard on them. But yeah. there is a, there is a third quarter of this movie yes. that is so crushingly dull. Yeah. The beginning's not. When the guy's trying to that. get the horse. When the guy's like, trying to get the, when that when Carl Reiner and the old lady are like in are tied up together. <laughs> oh my yeah. god! And and then it's and then the romance is developing. Where I I was like, this is one of the dullest 
movies I've seen yeah. in a very long time. But just in that section. When at the end, I was like, the only way that this movie could be redeemed for me is when they're caravanning out with all this Dunkirking the sub out. Um, and there's the flyover. I was like, what if they were just like, light him up? I, that's what I thought too. <laughs> I literally was just going to say, this movie would, be, would fucking kill and totally redeem itself if they were like, yay. Like they flew away and then they came and then they, the orders came in and they were like, yeah, light them up. And they just <laughs> bombed everybody in the town. And it was just like, well, and that's how that crazy story ended. <laughs> I would be in love. I would have been in love. But that's not how it ended. No. <sighs> um, I don't really have yeah. much else to say about the Russians for coming. The Russians are coming. Um, Jordan Morris is in this movie. Jordan Morris, though, does pop up in this film also. I actually wrote that down as well. I was like, Jordan yeah. Morris strikes again. Not even credited. No, really? Yeah. Well, he has a little scene there. That is the, that is the bane. One of the banes of Jordan Morris's uh, existence that he does no, not I'm get sure credit for. Said, yeah. Um, I do say, I will say that. I was satisfied that the last line of the movie is the title of the movie. I like it when they say the title of the movie. Mm-hmm. Well, doubt is your favorite, right? I mean, you have to yeah. love. I have <laughs> doubts, but she says doubts. And it's why called doubts, it so it's like you ruined doubts? it. It should have been called doubts. It should have been called doubts. Could have been Megan, called... Megan, call up JPS, your buddy John Patrick Shans. John Patrick Sh- JPS? JP Shans? I'll call yeah. JP Shans. Yeah, I'll call him yeah. right now. Get him on the phone. Um, we have a close personal us, relationship, Perez. Don't worry about so, it. So um, when when I uh, texted Megan after I watched the first couple movies, I was like, it's going to be a rough year for you. You're not going to love this year. You're not going to be happy with Ryan Perez. And she asked me what she should watch uh, first. I suggested the Sand Pebbles because it was the longest and I thought she might like it the least. So I'm interested, Megan, what she thought of the Sand Pebbles. <laughs> hey, Craig. Here's what I love about you. You know me so well. (laughs) I think I was all of five minutes into this movie and the screen was still black and it was just music. And I was like, I got to take a break. (laughs) I took a break from this movie before Steve McQueen shows up, before a single frame came to screen. I was like, I'm going to need a drink for this. Paused, paused, made myself a double Negroni. Uh-huh. grabbed my computer because I was like, yeah. I'm not going to just like sit and watch this movie. I got to do like eight other things while I'm doing this. Watch some Bon Appetit videos, read some recipes, looked at stuff on Nordstrom, and eventually finished this movie and hated it. Hated it. Hated every Ooh. second of it. Cannot believe so- it was directed by Robert Wise, who directed my very favorite movie of all time, The Sound of Music. I could not believe that. Right after this. Right yeah. after. Yeah. yeah. So right, I. Or, or right before this. Oh, sorry. This right, was, right. Yeah. This, cause this yeah. came out after. Yeah. This, uh, this wasn't a movie I was familiar with at all. I had never seen it before. And I watched it, you know, one, uh, one long afternoon. And the next day. One long I went up, afternoon. The next day I went up into our bedroom and my wife was lying in bed and I looked at the TV and the sand pebbles was on. No. I was like. No! I was like, are you watching the Sand Pebbles right now? And she was like, I don't know. I just have TCM on. This is just what's on, TCM. And I was like, how crazy <laughs> that I spent 
four hours and 30 minutes watching this three hour movie yesterday. And now it's going to haunt you. <laughs> and now, now it's on again. Literally, it's like. Because uh, I just, I walked in and it was um, Mei Ling or, and uh, Richard Attenborough. And I was like, this can only be one movie. <laughs> <laughs> There's only one movie where, where May Lee and Richard Attenborough get together, and that's The Sand Pebbles. It's my favorite, The Sand Pebbles. I cannot. Guys, did, has, he, has Steve McQueen made a good movie? I've never seen a, a Steve McQueen movie that I enjoyed. Granted, I, I have not the seen The Great Bullet Escape. Or The Great Escape. The Great Escape is good. Um, you didn't like, we watched the towering inferno for the, for the pod. You weren't. I do, actually, I did enjoy the towering inferno. Okay. <laughs> there you go. There you go. There's a kind of a debate over Steve McQueen. I was reading an interview with Robert Mitchum, uh, like a retrospective on Robert Mitchum a couple of years ago. And they asked him, well, what do you think of Steve McQueen? And he said, I don't think there's very much going on there. Um, and it made me feel slightly redeemed a little bit about what I've always felt with Steve McQueen is that there's, you have to look very hard. I think he is an interesting actor, but you got to really look. You have to really examine hard. Steve McQueen is the William Hurt of the 60s, 70s. <laughs> uh, well, well, William Hurt is, is I think, I would not say, I would even say, I, I, I mean, I, I'm on record that William Hurt is not my favorite either, but I think he's much more interesting than Steve McQueen is. I just, Steve McQueen is, he does have those eyes. Steve McQueen is the Vin Diesel of the 1960s. Okay. Okay. I buy that. I buy that. I buy that. Um, yeah. Ryan, you, do you, do you like this movie? Is this a movie you enjoy? This movie you just going to pop on, watch the sand pebbles? I won't pop it on. I, first of all, I had not seen it before, so I was not leading you guys into some sand pebble. Okay, I, I, for a minute, I literally, I yeah. also, the like 15th time that I paused it to refresh my drink, I was like, is this the reason why Ryan wanted to watch? Because you gave a lot of like, you were like, I have a lot to talk about with 1966. And I was like, if it is because of the sand pebbles, coronavirus no, be damned, one. I'm going to come over and cough in your face. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> it's not because of the sand. I had not seen the sand pebbles, so I didn't. So this was honestly looking at the year. I was like, oh, this is probably going to be the Doctor Doolittle. This is going to be kind of the big bloated studio right. movie of its time. I don't think it's a very overlong movie. So ultimately, it's it's that's I think the issue is that it's a three hour movie that could be a two hour. You movie. think they could have trimmed some of the forty five minutes of him? Working on an engine, on a gun <laughs> probably. Pro- even though I do like the engine stuff, because I'm because I do like some of that just stuff about. I do like engine room. Stuff. You like the engine rooms. You just like mm, I want to see those gears go. You're I'm a like a fan head. of. I am a fan of the uh, Howard Hughes Hell's Angels, partially because it has a lot of engine. Okay. Okay. We're learning. But, uh, the problem, I think the problem for me more was like the long scene where he's talking about the architecture of the engine room, and then they spend like eight minutes with him like correcting Pohan's pronunciation of every single word. But it's like, yes, he's a Chinese. He's from China. I've never in China. Of course he can't say these words in the exact same way in English. He barely speaks English. I have never seen anyone love. Also he's Japanese. He's not even Chinese. Chinese. He loves being an engineer and that respect. He does. No, I, and I, I like, I actually like, I mean, as dull as it is, I, I do like that. 
aspect of the movie. The, here's the thing I like about the movie. I'll say I like the movie. The reason I like The Sand Pebbles is because it's, it's in a tradition of movies in the 60s that are grappling with the Vietnam War clearly. And so I like a few movies from this era. Patton, there's a lot of people who don't like Patton. I, I am a big Patton fan. Um, uh, this movie, Americanization of Emily, um, that are, they're not retrospectives on the Vietnam War. They're not like, okay, it's platoon and it's, and it's right. been 20 years ago. They're right in the middle of it. And Sand Pebbles is clearly grappling with what it means to occupy a territory. It's, it's in racism, outright racism. I mean, the language yeah. in this movie is, is offensive to, uh, there's a lot of uh, Chinese slurs against uh, Chinese uh, people in this movie and uh and for that reason it's 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 way 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 too long but i do think it's an interesting movie from from this time and i think that robert wise um uh is a, is a great director who doesn't really get to do anything interesting in this movie until the last sequence which is you get to see kind of all those talents that he has with geography and space that shootout you know yeah is, Reminiscent actually, kind of, of like I actually also think the the torture of Pohan, I think that's actually a really powerful scene. Yeah. And really well shot when he's on the being basically crucified on yeah. the shore. I would add also I think the fight was good. I like yeah. I mean it was too again, too long. Did not in need the, it was in like the whorehouse. A, yeah. yeah. It was like a literal yeah. twenty minute fight. Um I but I did like the fight. I thought that was I was invested in that outcome as well. Yeah, there's some good sequences in it, but it's clearly it's just building up truly maybe a 90 minute movie. Uh, I, I don't know how long the movie should have been, but but it's 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 really stretching a, a, a thin amount of material to create an epic for its time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it very much seems like they wanted to make a movie very much in the vein of what you're talking about, Ryan, taking the current experience in Vietnam and relating it back to the late 20s and China and stuff like that, which is super interesting. But then because it was this big studio film, they're like, well, he's got to have a love interest. So why don't we throw Candy Bergen in there and talk about, I mean, if we're going to talk about the Russians are coming, the Russians are coming being a bland (laughs) romance. Candace Bergen and Steve McQueen could not have less chemistry. Oh my God. I, my vagina like went back inside my body and died. I was like, I don't want to see these people kiss. I don't want to see them touch each other. I don't want to see. And and by the way, she looks stunning. Uh, and throughout this whole movie, it's she's that character is also so boring. It's such a strange. And, and yeah. also Steve McQueen is like super boring. She's like, tell me about yourself. And he's like, okay. I, because- I, that was so such a shoehorned sort of situation. Because really, what it seems like the missionaries are only there for that last scene, yeah. the, towards the end of the movie, which again is powerful and again seems like a muted version of what they wanted to do, where the missionary, the main male missionary, is like, "No, we're staying. Like, yeah. we're not people of any country because of the horrible things the United States has done." Yeah, and then they immediately have him killed by the Chinese to kind of like. Oh yeah, the U.S. is so bad. Well, that's not the person that ended up killing you, is it? It's like, yeah. well, no. That's actually a really interesting point, and sort of seems very daring for the time. And then they fully undercut it. Yeah. And also, his la- like I, now that I'm thinking about it, Steve McQueen is bad. Like he is actually a bad actor. He's bad. His his last line of like his last line of like he's whispering, and then he's shouting. <laughs> 
I was like, Oh, when he says, he says, I was home. Yeah. I was home. What happened? Yeah. I'm like, I, I think he, I, that was wild. That was a wild choice. That's well, a I choice mean, be- that you make. And that Steven Soderbergh's like, I see what you're doing, but let's yeah, do something yeah. different. It is one of those things like you wonder if this movie is 45 minutes, they cut 45 minutes from the movie and Paul Newman is playing that part. Is this a classic that people go back to, you know? I don't think, I don't think so. <laughs> I, only because Paul Newman is not, Paul Newman is in this era of, of performances probably not that much more interesting than Steve McQueen. Yeah. I just don't um, think no, there's a, a lot of there. The year before Cool Hand Luke. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. But the character is not the character. I'll say this. And Steve McQueen, uh, he is livelier in this movie than he is in other, in, in some other movies that, and I like the, whatever it's Cincinnati kid, good movie. Uh, uh, Papillon, uh, uh, you know, there, I mean, Steve McQueen is in good movies, and I would say that this is another pretty decent Steve McQueen movie. Um, but I think the problem is just like l- really long shots of boats on yeah. rivers, and yeah, um, so many just, shots of of boats too. Like every every single time, they were like, "We need to establish that we're on a river," and it's like, well, yeah, I think we it got made it. Me kind of, it made me wonder, like, is this was this a great theatrical experience for the time? Like, was it incredible to see China? Uh, right. maybe, maybe that was it. Was it, it was uh, seeing the Chinese landscape or something? Was it was? Yeah, I, I really was trying to figure out the appeal because it's clearly in the. It's clearly gunning to be in the same category as uh, Lawrence of Arabia, or I mean, it's it's clearly in that. Uh, uh, trying to be a Hollywood epic of that tradition. And, uh, and I, 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 I don't know why it didn't hit me at all. No, yeah. I'm not. Yeah. And, and especially like, I love Richard Attenborough and I just, that's, I mean, maybe just cause it was so bloated. The movie was so overlong and there's just so much stuff going on. I didn't feel anything when he died pretty, yeah. you know, like halfway through the movie and then they murder the girl, right? Too. Yeah. I, I, you would have thought that would have been, because you would have been invested in that relationship, but um, not so. Do you know that this was, I did, a, I got bored. I don't know if I mentioned that I was bored <laughs> watching this. Yeah. So uh, I did a little bit of research. This is Steve McQueen's only Oscar nom. And this movie was supposed to shoot in like nine weeks and it ended up taking like eight months. Oh, because he had an abscessed tooth. I read. Yeah. This. I think I might have read it while I was watching the movie. Too. Yeah. <laughs> See, yeah. there you go. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like it was a miserable experience. Yeah. Just like watching it. <laughs> um, Sick who's burn, afraid? Megan. Sick burn. <laughs> I just have a question for you guys. Who's afraid of Virginia Woolf? No, 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 no. See, that doesn't, you got to sing it because that's what, they don't say it, they sing it. I am George. I am. I am. You probably, you probably partially, because you were texting me during this. Yes. I feel like you don't like this movie because it doesn't end with them saying who's afraid of Virginia Woolf. I love it. I am George. I am. Yes. She had to fucking put her own goddamn stamp on it. Here is my, I, okay, here, I just want to say this and then I'll let you guys talk about fucking who's afraid of Virginia Woolf. Here's my thought about this movie. I went on a real journey with this movie. I had a journey. I started off really not liking it. 
And then I was like, mm, I think I'm into this movie. And then I was like, no, never mind. And then they were like at the roadhouse. And I was like, actually, this is kind of interesting. Sandy Dennis. And then I was like, I hate this movie. I just kept pausing it thinking like, well, this is the crazy, like they're going to go home now. This is the craziest thing that could have happened. And I paused the first time I paused it and I was like, this is the climax of the movie. Wow. It was 45 minutes in. And then I paused it again and it was like another, you know, 20 minutes after that. And then I kept pausing it and I was like, I feel like I have been, I know this was not as long as the sand pebbles. Obviously it wasn't even probably the second longest movie. It felt forever. And I, and I say that I, I literally said, have I been watching this movie my entire life? Have I been watching this movie? Like, I know time is a flat circle, but I truly, I felt like I had been watching it for days, for days because they just kept, it just, the crazy shit just kept happening. And I was like, it can't get any crazier than this. And then it did. And I was like. I don't know what I was like. I was like, I was like, I keep saying I was like, please somebody take this away from me. Uh, talk to me about why I should love Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. Is Elizabeth Taylor good? I don't know. I don't know. This movie fucked with me. I think she is good in this movie. And I think, I actually think Richard Burton is great in this movie. Um, and it's sort of, it's one of those movies you watch and you're like, man, he never fucking won an Academy Award just because he kept getting nominated in the wrong year. Um, cause I think he's really good in this. Um, I think for me, cause I've also, I've seen this play multiple times on Broadway with different casts and the, the actually the thing I like the least about the movie because, and I get why they, my, why Mike Dickles did it to kind of expand the world, but I don't like they leave the house. I think that the whole idea of it is that it's this young couple that's stuck in this house with this, like, these two monsters. Why are they stuck? Destroying Why don't each they, it's, other. They, it's the middle of the night. They came over for one drink. Why wouldn't they just leave? I don't that's know. That's kind of one of the, that's a, I mean, that's when you're abandoning a realism right. uh, at a certain point. Uh, why does the evening not end? Right. And, and, and the right reason out. is because it's a play. I guess yeah. there's, and A Man for All Seasons, which we'll talk about next, it's also a play. This, I think what frustrated me about this is this red, even down to the snap, snap, snap. So many fucking snaps. It's yeah. it's such a play. It just is such a play. And very, it, very theatrical, yeah. Very much so. And I and I don't love I'm like, play, get out of my movie. Like it's it's I think they're different mediums. And I think I this is something that I would enjoy in a the, in a in a theater, but on a movie, it's tough to spend what felt like four days with these very unlikable people all right you know see for that that for me is why i think it even though it would make it probably more a play the why them leaving feels even less realistic because like once they leave then i really don't understand why the couple would come back to the house yeah after all this even if she's sick and that's you know they take her back because she got sick um because it, it feels one thing to be like, oh, well, we're new to town and her dad is, you know, runs the department, runs the school or whatever. Uh, we can't, we don't want to do anything to insult her by leaving. But once they're out, that kind of expands it for me in a way that I, I don't love. Yeah. But I actually, I actually love the writing in this movie. Oh, um, snap. 
Oh, snap, you do? Yeah. Snap. Yeah, so. I, love the, I love the writing. I love the opening. I love all the business when they're getting ready before uh, Nick and Honey come over. Like just the, even just little things like the way Elizabeth Taylor like pulls the ice out of her drink and is eating the ice and stuff like that, I think is great. Um, Elizabeth Taylor, the question of is Elizabeth Taylor good in this movie is kind of an eternal question, I think. <laughs> because looking at it again, I think so much of the popularity of the movie at the time is based on Richard Burton and Elizabeth Taylor's real-life marriage. Sure. There's a tremendous amount of interest in that. And the fact that they made a movie, it's also like a huge uh, departure for Liz Taylor as an actor at the time. Um, I think she's very good in this movie uh, and Richard Burton's great in this movie. For me, the re one of the, the main reason I love this movie is because of Sandy Dennis though. Yes. Yeah, uh, she, she's, she runs away with it. She's yeah. She, yeah. And so good in so many different uh, movies at the time. And, uh, oh, hello. Um, uh, the out of towners is a, is one of my favorite comedies from that era. And uh, there's a great Robert Altman movie, uh, that cold day in the park with Sandy Dennis, but not, very eccentric actor, very strange actor, very um, unusual line readings. Uh, never been another actor like like Sandy Dennis, but uh, incredible in this movie. And I think there's so many scenes in the movie where I think I would probably find this movie really irritating and, and maybe unwatchable if not for Sandy Dennis. She's kind of holding it together, um, creating like counterbalancing that that fury of. Richard Burton and, and Liz Taylor. And I also am a Richard Burton and Liz Taylor fan. I, I sort of fetishize that marriage, that sort of um, uh, uh, marriage between creatives and uh, extremely volatile and alcoholic. It's, it's a marriage I want to eventually get I, into. I was going to say, that's, yeah. we were watching, I, I, I will say, we're watching this, I watched this movie with Maddie and yeah. there was a couple of parts. There's one part where she's like, I know, I'm vulgar and loud. And I was like, and he just looked over at me and didn't say anything. <laughs> and I was like, that's the, um, that is the dark, that is, that's mean. And that is the darkest thing that's ever happened between the two of us. I do feel a like a lot this, of myself. So since it came up, I feel like we should point out that to our audience that Ryan famously wrote and directed Liz and Dick. <laughs> Liz and Dick. <laughs> I knew a lot about him. Yeah. He didn't, yeah. she didn't, it seemed from Liz and Dick, Lifetime original Liz and Dick, that <laughs> she didn't go to the Oscars because he didn't want her to because he wasn't going to win. Huh. I mean, she had already oh. won. This was her second Academy Award. So. Right. But she, but like, but like this, this, this is an interesting Oscar ceremony too. I have this little book that gives all these like facts about the actual ceremony mm-hmm. and um, only Called one IMDb. Of, <laughs> fuck off. You know what? I was going to, I was going to give it to you as a gift and now I'm going to keep it for myself. I want to know. I want to know the little, I want to know the, the yeah, fact. Well, I'm going to tell you of the four acting winners, only one showed up and that was Walter Matthau. And he barely made it there because he had fallen off his bike and broken his, uh, his arm the day before. Wasn't he supporting? Or was yeah, he, for yeah. supporting. Yeah. Oh, for support. Okay. Yeah. But the other three, Thomas, what, Schofield? Uh, and, uh, Paul Schofield, yeah. Yeah, Paul Schofield, yeah. Paul Schofield and, uh, Taylor and Dennis, um, didn't show, weren't there. And Elizabeth oh. Taylor never sent the Academy her thanks, presumably because she was pissed that Richard Burton didn't win. Anyway. Right. I love this era though of disregard for the Academy. I'm a bit, I'm, I'm, yeah. 
I, I far prefer like this year when Joe Pesci and Anthony Hopkins didn't show up, I, I was like, fucking a, I, I love no shows. And I, 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 the, the, the era of respect now, uh, of genuflection to the Academy that we live in is to me rep, is, is, is repugnant. I, I, I like people skipping the award. Yeah. I think uh, it's a good point. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. I'll tell you, uh, the, uh, the biggest problem with this movie, I think it's that, in the play, and they kept it for the movie, at one point, she's like storming around and she talks about how she has green eyes, so their son has green eyes. And it's like, you can't say that Elizabeth Taylor has green eyes. She's got violet eyes. Everybody Everybody knows knows what color eyes Liz Taylor has. She's got the most famous eyes. Her and Paul Newman, you can't say they have different color eyes. They're like, and Sinatra. Those are the three most famous eye colors in the history of the United States. Like, you can't, you got to just change that line. Yeah. Wait, what's the third one? Sinatra, Taylor, and who? Paul Newman. Oh, Paul Newman, right, Blue. Here is my uh, other thing I, I did want to point out, because I think you guys would want to talk about this. I will say, so this movie directed by... Uh, Mike Nichols. Mike Nichols. Mike Nichols. Their first movie. I thought it was... I thought it was killerly directed. I, w- I really liked a lot of the tight shots that he did. There's one in particular where she's kind of, she's storming again, some other, some big long speech that she has. And the camera is just following her. Like and, yeah. and Richard Burton kind of is off, kind of catches maybe like his shoulder or whatever when she walks back to him. Uh, but then it just kind of, it's very tight on her. Um, and a it's lot one of, of her speeches about flops. And, yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. Him being yeah. a flop and exactly. Yeah. Um, and I just thought a lot of the camera work was really cool. Like and and different and really and, and again made me uncomfortable in a, in a good way in the best possible way in the way that I was like I want to get out of this George Siegel grab that bitch and run leave I oh, was gonna say oh my god well we have it's been it's been so great they, when they smash a glass then you go oh you know what we I, we totally forgot that uh, we have a dog a dog's gonna um, take a shit we gotta go it's fun to see a young George Siegel. Yeah, he's because a snack. I feel like, I feel like even snack. like, so we did, you know, Touch of Class is 73. So that's seven years later. And he's already old by then. Oh, man. Touch of Class is a really, I, because I, I like Glenda Jackson. I watched Touch uh-huh. of Class a couple of years ago and was like, what the fuck? How did this movie, <laughs> this is like a, this was a best picture. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's wild. Class. It's a googly. That also has a great song, though. It's like, and a touch of class. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah it's, yeah. Yeah. Um, I love how George Siegel in this movie is referred to as like Richard Burton multiple times. It's like, you're a the, you're stud football player, uh, hunk of man. Like, and it's like, it's George Siegel. It's yeah. like, yeah. It's, I think just because he has blonde hair, it's like, oh, you're blonde God, you know. <laughs> like, the first, the first time I saw this show on Broadway, it was David Harbour was oh, Nick. Oh, okay. Yeah. And that was. 15 years ago. So you can, but he looks like 15 years ago, he looked like a corn fed, like, yeah. Yeah. He yeah. Like a little that, bit huh? more that all American. Yeah. yeah. You know, the, the, the most recent version of this that was canceled uh, because of uh, COVID-19 is um, Laurie Metcalf and Rupert Everett. Uh-huh. Wow. Uh, as George and Martha. Were they, was uh, that for the stage? Yeah, yeah, that was a, to oh. be the Broadway version. They had of done like nine previews of it, and then everything got shut down, and they had announced even before, now it looks like Broadway may not be back until 2021, but they had announced even before then that he 
that they would not be coming back. Yeah. Originally, it was supposed to be Eddie Izzard as George. And that, I think, would have been fascinating because I saw, I've actually seen Eddie Izzard on stage um, and he was incredible. Yeah, he's a best. And that was way more interesting to me than Rupert Everett. But I saw, the last time I saw it was with Tracy Letts. Oh. And Carrie Coon (gasps) was Honey. And that's when they, when they got together, when, when they were doing the show at Steppenwolf. Oh, Carrie I didn't Coons know that. and Tracy Letts are together? Yeah, they're married. They have a kid. Oh, my God. Did not know that. Yeah. Love Carrie Coon. Yeah. This made me, um, this put me in the mind of a certain kind of performance. Speaking of Tracy Letts, it, it reminded me of a, a couple of years ago. I really liked August Osage County, the yeah. movie adaptation. And, and I particularly like Meryl Streep a lot in the movie. Mm. And, I, and there were so many people that I talked to that said, oh, she was so over the top and crazy. And I think... Our, our, our appetite for this kind of performance has changed so much because Mer- truly Elizabeth Taylor gives, goes from giving like one of the most celebrated performances to I think a somewhat similar performance for Meryl Streep in 2014 or whatever was just people were like, what is this kabuki thing right. that she's doing? You know, um, and it's, it's about, I think it's about how you relate to that thing with theater and movies and and over the course of my life i've seen so many movies that come from great plays that didn't work hurly burly and um carnage god of carnage Carnage, was such a great show and that's that movie is garbage yeah and um this is one that i think you can kind of say but it makes it it it, i mean i i I love this movie um but it it has similar pitfalls that, that things that adapted from the theater have. But I think it's 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 probably errors on the side of. I mean, it might be one of the great adaptations, one of the great theater adaptations, because it's just a hard thing to pull off, really. Yeah, uh, yeah, and it's um, it's just it's it's an exhausting watch. It is it it's very. I guess it's just very. I I I, I there are parts that I really did like, but it is it is. It is a tough. It's a tough watch. Which oh, I and, and, yeah, you know, like it's pacing wise. You have like I mean the scene like there's a long scene with Richard Burton and George Siegel just sitting out by the swing, yeah. and you go, "What is this twenty minute scene that in any this is not a movie? I'm not watching yeah. a movie." Yeah. At a certain point, you 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 uh, uh, it, to, for that scene to happen, and then another hour of movie is like yeah. it is exhausting. It's truly exhausting. Yeah, it's just a. Uh, but Sandy Dennis, her it's funny because because Elizabeth Taylor is so is so over the top. And for the most part, I enjoy it. I also think she like weirdly settles into it. I know movies are not shot, or maybe you settle into the performance a little bit more, like as the as the viewer, because I found it more abrasive before the couple gets there. And then you I just kind of am like, oh, I'm gonna let this wash over me. But the the stillness that Sandy Dennis brings as opposed to like such the frenetic energy of uh, Elizabeth Taylor is such a good, that's, I think that's what makes the, the scenes when they're all together work. And that's why I like the scenes when they're all together. I don't love it when they go, you know, I don't love the scene with Elizabeth Taylor and George Siegel. I don't love the George Siegel fucking uh, Richard Burton scene. It's best when the four of them are in the room or in the, in the roadhouse together. Um, well, speaking of adaptations from the theater, the winner was A Man for All Seasons. Got anything to say about it? No? Okay. So, oh, <laughs> um, for me, 
I've seen actually this show on stage as well with, we talked about Megan's close fr- personal friend, John Patrick Shanley. I saw with her nemesis. I saw Frank Langella in the role. Frank fucking <laughs> Langella. <laughs> Fuck that guy. Fuck. You don't like Frank Langella. He fucking told me to be quiet one time. And <laughs> anybody that tells me to be quiet or to shh can, pardon, I, the kids aren't listening anymore. Suck my dick. Frank Langella told you to be quiet. <laughs> he told me to be quiet one time. He was doing like a master class at, at my studio in college. And he, mm-hmm. I was in the hallway. And I have a, my voice carries. And he told me to be quiet. Um, I think he's a good actor, but maybe overrated. I, I think th- he's overrated too, actually. Um, I, think this, I think this movie, as a movie, there's a couple scenes that really work, but it really only starts to like, for me, like be really interesting in like the last 40 minutes, half hour. Um, and I don't know why that is because we just, we just did Beckett like a month ago. Um, and Beckett for me, you know, obviously different time periods, but similar King versus chancellor works for me better in terms of just keeping my interest longer. Could not disagree more. I actually really like this movie. And I remember reading this play in must've been high school, but maybe junior high. This makes works way better for me than Beckett, but maybe that's because I know the story and I'm interested in the story. Like I, the story of Henry VIII and and Sir Thomas More is I know that I know that, so I didn't have to like do much work. Once right. you figure out who the people are, you're like, oh, I know how this ends. I know how this goes. So then I could kind of just you know watch the movie and not try to follow the plot. Um, I like it. It's good. And I love, love Robert Shaw. When he shows up, like resplendent in like gold and whatever um, at Moore's estate. It's so, it's such a funny, I just love Robert Charles. I That's another person that I'll just watch do anything. So, um, Do you think Orson Welles is wearing makeup in that scene or is that just what his face looked like at this point in life? <laughs> Who that's knows? A burn, that's a burn. <laughs> Um, Man for All Seasons. I, I truly, truly love this movie. Uh, I think Paul Schofield is like, if I had to like p- pick a short list of actors that, you know, that have given really great performances that have been justly honored by the Academy, I think that Paul Schofield is it's tempting to overlook, I don't know, or to put his performance in a certain kind of category because he, he was such a highly regarded theater actor. Mm-hmm. Um, and you tend to think of it as, like, oh, this is a guy who did more theater and, uh, you know, this is kind of the one to one of the times he graced us uh, with a, with a film performance. He's a really incredible film actor. I mean, I, I think his, his work in this movie, uh, his voice alone, uh, it's a, he's an actor that I can watch in anything. And there's precious few performances of his to watch. There's this and quiz show and, uh, the, the train, the John Frankenheimer movie. Um, uh, but, uh, just based on his performance alone. And I find the movie, I do think the movie kind of has this thing that you're talking about where it's, it's a lot of exposition. It's a lot of lead up to that, to that final half hour. But when you're uh, first time I saw this years ago, it must've been, I don't know now about 15 years ago, that last half hour gripped me in such an incredible way. And I, and I found myself very, very moved by it and I'm still very moved by it. This, um, yeah, uh, 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 this conviction. Uh, I, I think it's an abstract thing, uh, 
for contemporary audiences now to kind of like, why aren't you just, why do you even care if he just sign the, just take the oath, whatever. Yeah. And he, I think that's why I'm okay with the exposition up top, because to me it is, it's an, it's one of the all time most fascinating stories from history. Like the story of Henry VIII just, and that's why there's been so many, you know, there's been so many adaptations and so many books and movies and TV shows about that is because what a crazy thing, what a crazy time, what a crazy thing to have lived through. And and all these characters that, you know, from like Oliver Cromwell and seeing all these people, um, Colonel Wolsey. Oh, it's great. I, I really like it. And you're right. Paul, Paul Schofield is amazing and he's funny too. It's not just very, there's also like real comedy to be had from him. I think a lot of the interactions with his family and stuff. I'm like, and the relationship he has with his daughter, I'm, it's fun. Yes. He's, uh, that's a great credit too, to, to, uh, Robert Bolt, uh, the, uh, adapting his own play here. Uh, but a couple of years earlier had done, I think the year before Zhivago and then, uh, Lawrence of Arabia. So he, I mean, he was on a roll. I mean, there's like no, probably no screenwriter of this era. Uh, and, and, and man for all seasons. I mean, it's a movie I've never sat down and read the play, but, uh, but it's just such, uh, uh, I mean, some of the speeches in this, uh, <laughs> in this movie are, are they're, they're just some of the great, it's some of the best film writing. Yeah. Um, I think, and, uh, 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 yeah, you have, um, Wendy Hiller as, uh, uh, and, uh, Robert Shaw, all the supporting parts are, are, are incredible. And, um, and it's a subject matter again, that is difficult. I think, uh, you know, you have to kind of like put yourself in the mind of this character. And a lot of people are like, well, I don't, I don't really kind of understand the religious element of it or why he would want to even refuse on this ground or whatever. And, uh, uh, uh but as a character study, look at it as nothing other than just a character study of Sir Thomas More. Yeah. Um, uh, it's, I think it's, I think it's hard to not be moved by the movie. I think it's interesting to compare. I, and again, I liked Virginia Woolf, so I don't want to shit on it, but I think it's interesting to compare like the 10 speeches that Elizabeth Taylor gives about, you know, humiliating George or being a fucking terrible person versus there's a there's a lot of speechifying in a man for all seasons as well and i'm i was much more wrapped with attention to the speeches from a man for all seasons maybe because it was more pleasant you know it was a more in, maybe it's just because it's a more interesting uh uh thing to hear people talk about that rather than just kind of like i think it's also like a down. time like a time like in like just as people we think of they gave speeches in yeah. the time of henry the 8th where you know, people don't give speeches anymore unless they're, you know, running for office or something, yeah. you know, and that's obviously not true, but I think. Or doing like oral interpretation in like seventh grade. Exactly. You know, right. Not necessarily I the news. Maybe did. Yeah. <laughs> um, I did want to, I did want to just point out what a banner year this w- year was for the Red Graves. So Corin and Vanessa are both in A Man for All Seasons, which wins Best Picture. And then Vanessa and Lynn are both nominated for Best Actress. Oh, for Georgie Girl and... Uh, yeah, and uh, for Blow Up. Oh, blow, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Here's another tidbit um, that I learned from my little book. They tried to get, because it was like a fun, like, sister thing. They were like, you know who will have present the award or do like a little thing is Olivia de Havilland and Joan Fontaine, who, you know, 
like legendarily did not get along and they mm-hmm. were going to do it. Livia was in, Joan was in, and at the last minute, Joan Fontaine pulled out because she was like, I'm not going to do that. Oh. With her sister. Just Olivia a fun, de Havilland. fun fact. Livia de Havilland. Still, still kicking it. Livia de Havilland. She's still alive? Yeah. She's oh, yeah. Alive. She's like 102 now or something like that. Yeah. I remember when she, she turned 100 a, a year or two ago because I remember that was a thing. Holy shit. Yeah, she lives in like a, in Paris or something. I want to say she tried to sue Feud or Ryan. Yeah, Murphy Feud, the Ryan. Oh. Yeah, because she right. didn't like the way she was portrayed. Yeah. Um, I, I did write down Jones, about this. You could do worse, you know? I mean. I wrote down about this movie, imagine having Thomas More's convictions. Like just in this day and age, imagine anyone having Thomas More's convictions. No. Impossible. It's kind of what Ryan was saying. I did write down, young John heard a little bitch. Oh, yeah. That's uh, Richard Rich, yeah. <laughs> that was young John Hurt. He was yeah. a little bitch. Oh, uh, yeah. That's a great performance, too. John Hurt yeah. was kind of, squ- kind of squirrely and uh, uh, oh, brilliant. Yeah. But yeah, I, I love the scene in the tap, basically. Uh, so, having seen it on stage, I actually was a little let down by the Robert Shaw scenes. And it's not necessarily Robert Shaw, but I can, I mean, there's so, I've seen so many plays and they're so, little that I remember from them. But when I saw it on stage, I remember the Henry um, Thomas More scene. Um, More. Very specifically, Patrick Page played Henry VIII. And I think in the, I think he only comes in for one scene in the actual play. Like you only see him once and it's this like 16 minute scene or something between the two of them. And then you never see Henry again. Yeah. Um, but I love like the scene in the tower with the family and then into the court. Um, I think that stuff all works really, really well when he's eating the custard and yeah. Uh, yeah. And actually I, that's another thing I remember watching Frank Langella eat the custard. Ugh. I can't imagine like, Frank Langella in this part. I, it's, I, um, the, uh, I was interested to, to uh, the, the Robert Shaw, you know, when you hear think about Henry VIII, you don't think of a Robert Shaw, Robert Shaw type, and then you realize that oh, before Henry VIII was uh, this kind of bloated uh, picture. Now that we have of Henry VIII, he was like trying to fill his court with these kinds of different kinds of thinkers. And there's yeah. a great scene in this movie where he he thinks he sees uh, Thomas More from behind. Yeah, yeah. he's like, like oh, Thomas, and then yeah. he's like disappointed. And so he, he wanted to be liked, you know. He didn't. It's not a. It's a. It's a. It's a very interesting. Um, and, and I've since found out, like, uh, accurate portrayal, kind of of, of how Henry VIII uh, uh, sort of would have yeah. been in these uh, in these di- in this dynamic. But then he um, got cock blocked, and it's like yeah. all bets are yeah, off yeah. once you get yeah. cock blocked. Yeah. Robert, yep. Robert Shaw's another one that you can see, like just watching this and then watching Jaws, just being like, that guy lived a long decade between yeah. those two films. Oh, yeah. Yeah. To think, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 10 years. Yeah. That's what I thought of too. Cause I thought, well, I kind of thought, well, I guess it, mo- it probably was James Bond or, or from Russia with Love or something. And the other reason Spielberg, you know, by that point, why do you put Robert Shaw in your movie? But I thought, oh my God, that's you hired Robert, the Robert Shaw you saw in Man for All Seasons. <laughs> Wasn't he, weren't we, when we talked about Jaws, didn't we talk about he's like, he just would show up like drunk? Like they had to like, yeah, like sober, like dry him out or whatever. I think the first day they were shooting the, like the famous monologue, he was 
he was just a fucking mess. So they had to go back. And the next day, like, I think even he realized it. And they said he did in like one take the next day. Yeah. But the first day, like, they just couldn't get anything out of him because he was such a mess by that point. Men went into the water. Monologues that they had to they had to get a John Milius to come in and write. Um, Before we uh, talk about anything else from the year, uh, let's rank the nominees. Um, Five to one, Ryan Perez. We'll start with you. If you were voting, what's your number five? What's your number? What's uh, going down? Number five is the movie we all love. The comedy that almost made us <laughs> laugh. Almost made us die laughing. It almost made me die laughing. The Russians are coming. The Russians are coming. Mm-hmm. Number four is the Sand Pebbles. Then I'd say there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a sort of a journey. A chasm. To get to number three, Alfie. And then another journey to, I think, on, on, for me, the, the, the highest echelon of its Number two, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, and, and number one, Mad for All Mego? My last, my number five, I'm sorry to say, is going to be The Sand Pebbles, only because <laughs> I hated every minute of it. And there <laughs> was one smile from The Russians Are Coming, The Russians Are Coming, which is number four. The Um uh, and then number three is Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? Only because I was like, there's no way this movie is only two hours. It's got to be at least six days. And then number two is Alfie. Also, Michael Caine can get it. Like, young Michael Caine. Honestly, Michael Caine now can get it. Like, holla at me, Michael Caine. And then number one is A Man for All Seasons, which I really enjoyed. But again, I enjoyed you know, mostly enjoyed Virginia Woolf, Alfie, and uh, Man for All Seasons. Um, the other two can take a hike. Um, my number five is Russians are coming. Russians are coming. Uh, four, I also have the Sand Pebbles just because I thought there were some good scenes in that movie, which I can't really say the same for the Russians are coming. Uh, uh, except for that, I except told for the you jelly. the part. I told you the, you know, you the jelly. And then except the, for the jelly, the yeah. Man. Also, they yeah. saved um, a child. You know? It's true, they did. Did you like um, the shot? Uh, go ahead. No, I uh, want to know. Do we like what shot? Just the shot of like when the child's hanging from the thing yes. and they like cut back to the same shot. Four yeah. times. Like four yeah. times. <laughs> Loved it. Loved it. Great, great editing. Yeah. Um, three, I have Alfie, and actually that's where my big chasm is. I actually uh, don't like Alfie as much as you guys do. Um, and then I actually have A Man for All Seasons too, and Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf as one on mine. Uh, but I think those two are far far better than the other three nominees yes um mm. that's fair all fair yeah. all fair ryan Bye. do you have uh do you have uh, any other movies from the year 1966 you wanted to make mention of uh this is um you know there was so like i said i was i was i i, I was halfway tempted to do the year 1968 because i because i was like oh my god we got to talk about faces and rosemary's baby and this and that and this and that but i realized that this part of the show is comparatively small compared to the, the like you have to spend yeah because you it on thir- before so you know yes yeah. so you're like i'm i knew i would be talking about oliver for a long time uh, <laughs> so the 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 two i think that i mean the the two that are obvious for me are uh good good the bad and the ugly um 
which I think there's a world where it probably could have been acknowledged. Um, weirdly, that movie is not my favorite of Sergio Leone's movies. And so um, uh, I don't know if I would make like a huge, huge, I would definitely make a case for it being acknowledged over, over probably, I don't know, three of these nominees, but I can't, I can't, I don't know, I can't make like the biggest case in the world for good, the bad and the ugly. I, I, there's tremendous fans of that movie. Uh, I, I feel, I feel I actually rewatched it because I'd seen it once and I didn't love it. And I rewatched it and I was like, you know, there's certain movies like, you know, maybe on a second viewing. And I sort of feel similarly. I think it's way more probably deserving of a nomination for me than those bottom three I had on my list. But I don't, it's not a film that I love either. There's, I actually don't love almost anything about the movie until the very end of it. And I think it's kind of overly long and there's a lot that's, yeah. Um, Overly long for sure, but I do like. I think I I, I like that movie. I would definitely put it above the. Yeah. If I'm going to watch a long, an overly long movie, I'm much more entertained by that movie than the fucking Sand Pebbles. Oh sure, so. yeah, and that yeah, especially in that in a similar in a similar you know very male uh, kind yeah, of movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is a. It's like a. Yeah. It's not a sweeping epic in the same way, but it's like a yeah. you know that that western thing of just yeah. like adventure. I mean, I will. I guess if I was making the, I mean, if I, if, if this were the year of once upon a time in the West, which might've also been 68, 68 also. Yes. Yeah. That, that I would be sitting here talking for 20 minutes about how once upon a time in the West should be, should be nominated. The movie that, um, I really, uh, I think is a remarkable Fellini movie is Juliet of the spirits, which would have been, I think it was technically released in Europe, maybe a year before, but it would have, it, it's not, it was nominated for, um, art direction or something this year. So this was the year that it would have qualified. And I think of all of Fellini's movies, this is a, this is kind of an underrated one. It's a, it's his first feature and uh, first feature like movie in color. Um, and it's a wonderful story of, a, of mysticism and um, dreams. And uh, I think it's a, it's a remarkable Fellini movie. There's some, quite a few interesting uh Films internationally released this year, uh, yeah. Rise of uh, Louis the Fourteenth, uh, Russell Lady's movie, and um, Kurosawa's Red Beard is another one that I think is very, very serious, very, very uh, uh, serious Kurosawa uh, to consider. Um, but uh, but I, if I, could, I yeah, if I guess if I could pick pick one movie, it would probably be Juliet of the Spirits. I think that's the one that I would I would Juliet try and the Spirits. Uh, Juliet of the Spirits. Juliet of the Spirits. I've never even Juliet heard of, of the Spirits. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, that's that's probably the one that I would say. I like a lot of movies from this time. You know, na- the Naked Prey, uh, Cornell Wilde's movie, which is probably very problematic to watch now, but uh, about him uh, being a uh, hunted in the jungles of Africa is about is like a movie I I watch in a very apocalypto kind of way. It's an interesting movie to watch and. Um, but uh, yeah, that's looking at the entire year. Uh, also, I just want to make note that if look at the highest grossing movies of this year is an incredible, I mean, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf is number three. A Man for All Seasons is number five. Alfie is in there. Blow Up is like strangely like an, like a, a was a huge hit in the United States. So the, the audiences. What's number one? Know, number one is Hawaii. Um, which was an adaptation, I guess, of, of uh, uh, James Michener. James Michener's, yeah. And then the Bible, the movie, the Bible, yeah. which was sort of like, sort of a adaptation of uh, just of Genesis, really. Yeah. Um, 
but uh yeah i'm curious to see what you, what you guys found if you found anything interesting and um, I rewatched, I, so I watched blow up for the first time for a class in, I don't know, I don't remember what class, but in high school. Um, and I remember in the same way that Alfie disconcerted me, I remember being like disconcerted by blow up. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? In this, in the same way of like after hours, like those movies where you're just kind of like, I don't like, it's a little weird and a little, everything's a little off. And again, I was also like 17 and, you know, was obsessed with. Leonardo DiCaprio probably or whatever. Uh, so th- this was a real departure for me. Um, but I really like this. I, I, I like blow up. Um, it is a weird, it's weird. I get why it wouldn't be like nominated, but um, I know you rocked it, Craig. You want to talk about blow up? Yeah. I mean, I found it stylistically really interesting in terms of kind of the story. I wasn't really drawn into it uh, a lot. The, yeah, the I similar to sort of what Ryan said. I mostly looked at a lot of foreign films from the year. I only watched two other things. This was a period in the Academy's history where it's not as kind of clear cut as it is now in terms of foreign films. So, for instance, I watched The Battle of Algiers, which I had never seen before, which was nominated for Best Foreign Film. And then two years later, it's nominated for Best Director in 1968. Yeah, that's crazy. I was trying to place where Battle of Algiers would... Yeah, so I kind of, because of... I was like, well, it did get a nomination this year, and that's technically the year it was made, so I'll consider that. Um, But we've talked about it before. Like, I'm trying to remember if it was... I think it was The Immigrants gets nominated for best foreign film. And then the next year was nominated for best picture. Right. So whereas now the way it's set up, like that would never be able to happen. So similarly, a movie I wanted to watch that I didn't watch a, because it's not on any streamers. I would have had to uh, rent it. And it's very long as I've never, I wanted to watch Andre Rublev, but that the year why, like it was made in 66 I think it was nominated for like an Academy Award later in the 60s. It wasn't officially released in the United States till 1972. Um, so it was sort of all over the place in terms of years. So I didn't do it. So the other one I watched was Persona, uh, the Ingmar Bergman film, which was made in 66. I wasn't nominated for an Academy Award ever. So I don't know what year it would have fallen under, but like it was nominated for a BAFTA in 68, but um, which I thought was pretty cool um some really great scenes in that that probably i think behind who's afraid of virginia wolf of everything i watched was probably my second favorite movie of the year um it's also only like 80 minutes long persona's really gloriously short uh, yeah uh, yeah for Love which a short is movie. which Love which it. for him which it's really interesting because i feel like bergman's movies are either all like an hour and 20 minutes or three hours and 40 minutes. And he never <laughs> made much in between the two. Um, but there's this, B.B. Uh, Anderson gives this monologue about this like sexual orgy in it that had to have been so shocking for American audiences in 1966. I can't imagine like people watching it and being like, what? We don't, we don't talk that way here. What is happening? Um, but that's something I would suggest people check out. It's on HBO Max. So if you have uh, HBO Max, that's one of the Criterion films that's available there. So, Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, Persona, this is a curious year. I feel like pers- both Persona and Blow Up are movies that I, in, uh, in my film school sense, I can admire tremendously. I think I like Persona a little bit more. 
but they leave me a little bit. I, I would I, it's that classic thing of like, oh, I admire it as a movie, but I, I'm left a little cold by it yeah. or whatever. And I feel that I've always felt that way about Blow Up, which is on paper a movie that should be my favorite movie of yeah. all time. And yeah, I well, just, the, the way it's written, it seems like it's going to be like the conversation meets like yeah. when you just read about it, and then you're like, oh, it's like this murder's like sort of in there, yeah, but it doesn't. And then there's like a seven minute naked wrestling scene that it's like, yeah, that's the upsetting yeah. part. <laughs> yeah, it's upsetting. It's like, oh, it's an Italian director that he had to get. They had to yeah. get it in there. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm cu- I'm more curious by the just the what was obviously the the I mean it was Antonioni's nominated for best director and the movie did well in the United States. It was one of these movies that. I mean, you have to imagine teenagers and college kids going nuts for in that era. And it's it's like, I'm never this whole, this entire era of mid to late sixties. I'm fascinated with just from talking to my mom about what she liked. And, you know, we watched the graduate, we watched that, we watched mash, we watched, uh, 2001. It's a different, it just speaks to a different era of a different audience, what they, what their appetites were and what the, what the audience of what, what younger people were watching then. Yeah. Well, um, I actually, I actually just started pictures at a revolution. Um, and the whole opening is about the screenwriters of Bonnie and Clyde and how they would just kind of, you know, leave their magazine job during the day and go watch whatever Godard film for the 13th time that, that would move from a theater on 86 to a theater in the village. And it kind of consistently played for a year, but it would move theaters every week yeah. between like three different spots. And yeah, it's a really interesting period for sure um ryan do you have anything you wanted to uh that you've liked that you've seen this year i know we've kept talking about how it's a strange (laughs) film year of course because there are no theaters or anything but anything you've watched at home from the year that you would suggest from 20 uh 2020 yeah i've only seen i think one movie from 2020 i saw invisible man which was like a three-star a solid three star. Yeah. Yeah. Entertaining. Raised up by Elizabeth Moss. Yeah. And I looked at the bad education movie with the, with the Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman. Yeah. It's, it feels weird. Yeah. It feels like we're in a, we're in a state of, uh, we're doing this in a state of like movies are perhaps done forever. <laughs> Who knows? Ryan, watch your tongue. Don't you say that? Don't you dare? <laughs> but I don't know. Yeah, it's it's a very it's a it's a it's a it's a yeah. I, I feel like this kind of pursuit of like okay, let's dig into the past and enjoy the year of you know let's do a deep dive into 1966 or whatever is more makes more sense than ever <laughs> right now. Right. Well, I know that Craig wishes that you were his permanent co-host, so. <laughs> If I, if, if my apartment burns on, if I die, uh, next. Yeah, I'll be reaching out, Ryan, if, yeah. uh, if, uh, if it goes through again. Goes Although he's, for me. he's pretty, he's pretty close also to that area. So yeah. they, I think we'll all die together in the big, uh, yeah, uh, in the big, the big earthquake. The big, I hope it's yeah. just a big sinkhole that just takes us all for sure. Like the uh, Hellmouth. Uh, has there been, have you guys seen anything this year or recently? I don't know. It, it just feels like I honestly, no one has even asked me this question. Yeah. Well, it's weird because like we've kind of not like the first half of the year is notoriously like pretty dry for like really good movies. Like we would just now be getting into like popcorn movies and Wonder Woman's yeah. and all of this. Um, so it doesn't feel like we've, you know, it's, 
it doesn't feel like we've missed out on too much going to like, cause I wasn't going to go see the fucking lovebirds anyway. You know what I mean? Right. So now it's on Netflix and guess what? I'm still not going to watch that shit. Sure. Um, but I did see an Amazon prime movie that, uh, was released on Amazon prime. That was from this year called blow the man down. Mm-hmm. Um, which had a great cast, uh, my girl, Margo Martin, Mar- Margo Martindale, and, um, a bunch of other older June female. Squibb. Yep. Thank you. June Squibb and some other, and then the, a bunch of people that I've, whose names have now gone for me, but very female heavy cast. Um, and it was pretty disappointing. Yeah. I would say not great. There's not a lot. Yeah. Did you watch it, Craig? I did. Not a it's lot a of there cat. there. No, and it's it's almost like uh it wants to be like a simple plan or yeah. something like that or like a it see it just see it feels like I don't even want to say Cohen brother light because that's an, an insult to the Cohen brothers. Um yeah, there's just nothing there and there's stylistically I feel like they try and do something with like these sea shanties that does not work at yeah, all. Yeah, the singers and, and I'm just like it's it feels very yeah. like look, we're being quirky. Yeah. You like that? You like a little quirk? Um, so that was that was a that was a bummer for me. Um, and then yeah. last night, as uh, L.A. burned, I watched Predator for the first time. <laughs> oh, okay. So you know, and honestly, the original or the Keegan Michael Key, um, <laughs> <laughs> the Predator, <laughs> the Predator, the yeah. Predator. Now I watched OG Predator, Carl Weathers, Jesse the Body Ventura, Arnold Arnie Schwartz, and I got to tell yeah. you. I had myself a time. I don't remember a lot of it because I was, again, imbibing heavily as I could smell the smoke <laughs> coming from down the street. No. Um, but, uh, yeah, Predator's fun. I don't know. Do you want to watch, like, when you're, times are tough, you want to watch stuff that's like, like, a, like I've watched MacGruber like six times. I just want right. to watch stuff that I'm like, I know where yeah. this goes. It's, it's warm and fuzzy. I'll watch the, you know, the six hour pride and prejudice. Like what else am I doing? I made the mistake last night of as, I mean, in addition to just going back and forth from news coverage, it actually took all day. I started at around one in the afternoon and it took till about 10 at night to watch. Uh, I had never seen John Frankenheimer's seconds from 1966. And I thought, Oh, seconds, that might be, maybe that might be a movie that I might like from 66. I noticed you didn't, mention it <laughs> i didn't mention it because movies. it wasn't it's a, it's a, it's interesting it's definitely worth watching but i wouldn't I, I i had just heard over the years so many times oh you'd like seconds you'd like seconds and so i watched it but i found it to be such a upsetting on a, such an in such an upsetting environment to be watching a, a, a intentionally upsetting movie it was too much too it was much. too much too much it was a Notable, though, is the movie that dr- one of the things that uh, uh drove brian wilson into a great depression was um he walked into a movie theater playing the movie seconds. And there's a scene where he walked in at the precise moment that someone says, come on in, Mr. Wilson. And Brian Wilson became convinced that they were talking to him, that they were talking to him and that the movie was a, was a specifically a Phil Spector was out to get him and uh, had, uh, Maybe made this movie to might not have been wrong. Turns out yeah. Phil Spector <laughs> he knew, he knew someone was coming. Um, I think my favorite is still um, Sorry We Missed You, which is a Ken Loach film, uh, which I watched on a like a virtual cinema thing that probably wouldn't have got much of a release here anyway. Um, but yeah, 
I haven't really, I watched the lovebirds. It's not good. Um, the birds of prey, Missy birds, birds of prey, good. birds of prey guys. That's my favorite yeah. movie of 2020. Yeah. Oh my God. I forgot the year. This <laughs> year blows. Yeah. Talk about um, blow up, blow up hey this yo. year guys. <laughs> uh, Ryan, do you have anything you, do you want to plug? Um, uh, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to pass. I'm going to take a pass. That's fine. That's fine. Meg. I'm going to take a pass just in, in more in respect for just everything. I'm going to take a pass. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess I'll, uh, my Instagram is, uh, <coughs> what's my Instagram? Murphy, Murphy Megan? Megan. My Instagram is Murphy Megan. I have videos of me cooking, you know, if you want to like watch me cook something, I don't know. It's, it's a great around. series. I've watched. I've watched. Uh, I've watched uh, quite a few of the. Oh, the thanks, the, Ryan. Thanks. Yeah, I'm gonna say very it with fun. more. I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna say it prouder now. Go to my Instagram. Yeah, Murphy. Megan. Yeah, they're fun. Pictures of me. Videos of me cooking. And yeah. stay yeah. safe. And stay safe out there. Yeah, uh, you can follow us at the Oscar Should on Twitter. The Oscar Should have gone to on Instagram or Facebook. If you like us, as always, please rate and review us. Uh, we will be back in a few weeks and we'll be talking about 1962, uh, with Maddie Smith. Um, so Maddie wanted to talk about Lawrence of Arabia, Ryan. Yeah, that's great. I knew that I knew that that would be, that there would be heavy competition. That's also the, uh, we gave you first pick though. We gave you first pick. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. It's also to kill a mockingbird. My dog is named after that. Oh, to kill a mockingbird. It is miracle worker, right? Yeah. Yep. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's bad, man. What a killer year. That is a good uh, year. The Music Man, Mutiny on the Bounty, the remake, and The Longest Day. Those are the other nominees. And then you've got Miracle Worker, The Manchurian Candidate, Lolita. Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. Liberty Vance. That's a Brian and Roses. I've never seen Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. I might watch that. No. Um, so we'll be back then. Thank you guys so much for listening. As Big Megan thank you said. to Perez, the most Big knowledgeable. thank you to Ryan Perez. Uh, oh my gosh, thank you guys have. so much. This is the most fun. This is the most fun show to do. Um, it doesn't, uh, it's always a pleasure. And this, thank you for asking me to do it again. Of course. We will have you thank back. You for, You're great. Yeah. We'll, we'll have you back for 1945. <laughs> what are you guys going to do when you get to the 40s? Like, I what don't else? know. Like, I don't. We so already, start, start, it's hard to start, find some of these movies. Start getting your lost weekend takes ready for us now, <laughs> Ryan. If I come back in like, let's see, I did 80s, 60s. I will come back in the 40s. That's yeah. when uh-huh. I will. <laughs> Last um, week, last week is going to be like the fun one. You're going to have to be like uh, the corn is green. Or oh my God. I hope I'm like dead such- before that. I cannot. <laughs> I I already have run out of patience. The sand pebbles really took it out of me. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we will talk to you guys soon. Bye. 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 <laughs>